Welcome to Her Talks, a conversation on why women's health matters now, presented by Her Healthy Q. My name is Greta Mauck. I'm the content developer for Her Healthy Q, a global nonprofit focused on deploying medical equipment to improve women's health in underserved regions worldwide. At Her Healthy Q, we believe that women are the cornerstone of the family unit and communities at large. And when we give women in under-resourced geographies the tools they need to survive and thrive, the benefits clearly extend to their children, families, and nations as a whole. Her Talks is our quarterly panel with innovators, researchers, healthcare professionals, philanthropy experts, and more, where we discuss how we can use our strengths to achieve women's health equity. The episode you're about to hear was our fifth Her Talks panel, which originally aired on July 22, 2021. First, the panelists introduced themselves and their impact. Then they discussed transparent, sustainable fundraising trends and social return on investments, specifically as it relates to women's health charities. Lastly, they answer webinar attendees' questions about fundraising advice and creative volunteering and donation models. This episode is a conversation between four experts, Dr. Marianne Grislow, Sean Melamed, Marcia Rader, and Marissa Fayer. Faith Legendre was the moderator for this discussion. Marissa Fayer is the founder and CEO of Her Healthy Q. She's a 22-year veteran of the medtech industry, was included among the top 100 women in medtech by Medical Design and Outsourcing in 2018, a People Maven's top woman activist to watch, and a recipient of the Africa Development Award in the same year. At the time of recording, Dr. Marion Grislow was the Director of Corporate and Strategic Partnerships at Ronald McDonald House, which provides temporary housing for pediatric cancer patients and their families. She has over 25 years of experience serving in leadership and advisory roles, and is most proud of securing a $1 million investment from a major health foundation to support vulnerable families with a hospitalized child. Sean Melamed is the founder and CEO of Spiral, a banking service that embeds sustainability, social impact, ESG, and CSR into their business and helps banks and financial institutions amplify community impact and customer engagement. Marcia Rader is the Senior Specialist of Strategic Philanthropy and Gifts in Kind at International Medical Corps, a global humanitarian nonprofit organization dedicated to saving lives and relieving suffering through healthcare training and relief and development programs. She's a dedicated leader with 10 plus years of experience in identifying, soliciting, and developing strong partnerships with global corporations to grow organizational fundraising programs. Faith Legendre is a circular economy specialist and an accomplished and resourceful system strategist with 15 plus years of experience with 200 plus organizations worldwide. She's a highly sought after speaker with 45 plus industry speaking engagements globally and an inclusion and diversity champion and ambassador. All of their social media accounts and anything you hear in this panel, including a transcript, will be available in the show notes at www.herhealtheq.org her-talks. I am so excited to share with you volume five of Her Talks, Innovations in Nonprofit Fundraising. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon where you are joining us in this great world. We know you've probably been on a lot of Zoom calls over the last year, so thanks so much for choosing us today. As the old saying goes, if you have your health, then everything else follows. And when we have healthy women involved and leading within all our sectors of our companies and our communities, we all win. Hello, I'm Faith Legendre, your moderator for today, and welcome to Her Talks. Today is a meaningful and informative conversation around fundraising, a fun topic. It even has the word fun in it. <laughs> Today's session was curated by Her Healthy Q. So let's get to know our incredible panelists today. Let's start with you, Marissa. Can you just introduce yourself and maybe where you're located and also um, why you started Her Health EQ and why you started this Her Talk maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Hey everybody, it's Marissa Fair. Um, I'm located in New York City. Um, 
People have come to other her talks. Yes, this is still the same background. I haven't moved from this one location in my dining room. And um, uh, I started her healthy queue several years ago because I just saw such a gap in healthcare and that there was equipment in the United States and in, in Europe and um, that there wasn't in the developing world. And in making sure that women are healthy throughout the world ensures that um, we have a healthier world in general and they can send their girls to school, they can uh, provide for their families. And to me, that was really important. And so um, our LTQ started because of that. And one of our incredible board members, Andy Levy, started her talks um, is because we wanted to have these really interesting, exciting conversations um, with our partners, with people that we know, with people that we want to know. And we thought it was really important to um, have authentic discussions. And so uh, we're in volume five and we're gonna keep on going. Thanks, Marissa. Marion, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you chose to speak on this panel today and your maybe your passions around uh, helping people? Sure. Um, I'm Marion Grislow, and I am Director of Corporate and Strategic Partnerships for Ronald McDonald House, New York. And our mission is to provide temporary housing for pediatric, pediatric cancer patients and their families who are in New York City receiving treatment from one of our 16 cancer center hospital partners. So um, a lot of what we focus on is um, family-centered care. And we very much believe that it's the family and oftentimes the mother and um, those that are surrounding the patient that are most critical. So while we're based in New York and we have a 95 room house that can house up to 400 people, uh, we serve um, pre-COVID more than 60% um, were from international locations, non-US. So I am passionate about this because our mission really is to allow access to healthcare and also support beyond just housing. And so uh, we are a bridge to the healthcare and we see what we do as really um, a part of the healthcare continuum. And so we're honored to be a part of this and very grateful that Spiral invited us and chose us to be part of their inaugural group of charities to support. So. Thank you. Outstanding. Thanks, Mary. And I know my little cousin was a beneficiary of your services when she was diagnosed with cancer at eight years old. So wow. thank you for all you do. It's incredible. Sean, speaking of Spiral, can you introduce yourself? And uh, I'm CEO and co-founder of Spiral. Spiral is a pretty innovative uh, startup that really focusing on making people's life better and, and at the same time trying to make the world better. And the way we do it is by offering an ethical banking service that at the same time enables you to open bank accounts, um, but enables you to create also a, a unique account called a giving account from which you can donate to any charity uh, you care in the US and we match our customer donations up to a certain limit um, every year to amplify their impact. So, so essentially we're trying to build uh, a banking service and an app that uh, help people invest in themselves and make their lives better. And at the same time, whatever causes they support and, and of course uh, partnering with many nonprofits uh, like you all uh, to ensure that they can donate the things they want and get, stay in touch with the charities and amplify their impact. So their impact is stronger with actually more money coming to the 
to the charities themselves. Thanks so much, Sean, for all the work you're doing as well. And Marcia, last but surely not least around impact in the world here, can you introduce yourself? Absolutely. So I'm Marcia Rader, and I am the senior specialist of um, strategic philanthropy, and I run our gift and kind program here at International Medical Corps. Um, we're basically emergency first responders to disasters worldwide, as well as supporting established programs across 30 countries. Um, you know, so healthcare is at the center of everything we do here. And so being part of this panel was, was very exciting to me um, because, you know, our approach to everything that we do is really low and middle income countries and supporting those in probably the most critical situations they ever find themselves in. And women are at the center of that, you know, whether it's health and nutrition or, you know, uh, gender-based violence or any of those things um, are, are very, very critical for us to address. Um, and one of the unique things about us, I think, is that, you know, we actually, training underpins everything we do, but, you know, we integrate psychological first aid across the board um, for all of our beneficiaries. Um, in every one of our programs, because we think that that's a critical pillar. So honored to be here and happy to um, be a part of this group. Thanks, Marcia. Okay, now we're going to jump into some questions that I have here for all of you. So Marianne, I'm going to start with you. Your organization, as you noted, is in New York, but you do have this really broad reach globally. And that impact to help people from around the world takes funding, I'm sure. So can you please share your experiences and also your ideas around how to make it all happen? Marion, you're on mute. We have so many stakeholders, um, including the patients, the patient's family, and also the entire healthcare community, as well as um, all of the organizations that we partner with to help a child on their journey from um, treatment to becoming well. You know, many years ago, not many of the children survived that were being treated for cancer. And now more than 80% of the children leave to become cancer survivors. Um, so we take what we do very seriously. And in terms of funding, um, we have lots of different ways that we have traditionally fundraised. Um, and been very successful and have tremendous community support from partners far and wide. As you had said, you know, our footprint is well beyond New York City. We have a house, but we also have family rooms in um, Kings County Hospital and are in the process of building and launching another family room for families whose children are, are sick and in the hospital so that we can be there for them. So again, um, while we look at traditional approaches, we also look at partnerships. We are looking at um, different ways to be creative in terms of our digital reach that will allow us to continue to grow. And a lot of what we do is really based on um, general operating as well as programs that we deliver throughout the entire city of New York and virtually. So uh, we are learning as we go, but also have a terrific team and we work across the organization. Um, resource development is not one person's um, role. It really is a collaborative effort because it, it, you can see our mission when you walk through our building. So um, I hope that gives you enough of a 
perspective on how we approach fundraising and how it ties in with our mission. And yeah, I like I see it. I see it almost like uh, Marion is like, you know, a spider web. You know, you have the, and it's just beautiful. The silk is beautifully woven out throughout that engagement and all those different touch points. Outstanding. Thank you so much. And Sean, spirals are a really unique model. Can you tell us, you know, a little, little bit of the history? How did this come about? I need to remember to remove the mute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, sure. So, so spiral uh, started about two years ago, and and frankly, it started from a very small idea that I had maybe four or five years ago, where, where I woke up in the morning and I I just wanted to do good in the world, and and as somebody who actually didn't grow, grew up with giving in the family, it was very hard for me to figure out what do I need to do next and where are the opportunities and what are the causes out there. And, and as, a, as a Wall Street guy, I also had a very small attention span. So, so it was kind of like, I really want to do good. Like my heart was screaming, let's do something. And at the same time, it was complicated. It's you're not familiar with it, with the world of, of, of charities or giving as a whole. You don't know where to go. And Envision is, is an app that, that essentially would give you uh, causes around you that, that you can help. And, and with a tap similar to an Amazon one-click buy, you can just donate to the charity of your choice. Um, and uh, fast forward. Right, so I've been many years in, in in the world of banking and had some senior positions at Morgan Stanley. Um, I looked a lot into the space of what it takes to build new banking services and in, and new banks. And uh, the idea came to me that actually people that give and are charitable in their day to day are not really being rewarded. Not that they should be, right? People doing it from a different place, but at the same time, um, that. As, as, a, as a banking service, you can actually reward those people and give them more for, both for themselves. And at the same time, believe in what they believe and say, you know, there's so many people with great hearts that desire to do well. Uh, what if we enable them to donate to any charities that they want, but at the same time, not only that, we're gonna match their donations. So we're gonna show them that we're standing behind what they believe, right? Um, so, we bundle together really into one app, core banking capabilities that you would expect like extra checking savings and so on. But with this new amazing account called a giving account, which you can choose which percentage of what you're making goes to giving and you start accumulating that money. And then you can actually donate it to, to, to any charity. And um, what, what's interesting is that most people as we know from a lot of other things, they use their phone and they have maybe hundreds of apps, but they really use like five or six, right? And then the rest, you kind of forget about them. And, and your banking app is the one place where you constantly engage with, because you have to, you have to see if your mortgage or rent is due, you got your paycheck, stuff like that, right? Um, so bringing into the same app, the ability of you looking at your money, not as, only as a source of stress, because most people have a relationship of stress with their money, do I have enough of it, right? Um, uh, am I saving enough? It would be a place where you can also see the goodness that comes out of your money and, and can easily uh, apply it to causes that you believe in and actually get recommendation to, to new causes. So from a, from a model, going back for, to the point of a model, 
I think we turn a little bit the model upside on its head instead of charities going and just, you know, trying to get necessarily to donors, we bring the donors very close to the charities from the place where they naturally make their financial decisions, right? It's really easy. And, and frankly, it's, it takes, I think all of you guys saw it. it. It takes something like five seconds to make a donation. You don't need to give my credit card details. I don't need to give my bank account details. I don't need to mail a check. It's all, it's all uh, pretty instantaneous. So the model, if you make it, if you make giving so frictionless, accessible to all, um, you match the donation and reward a charitable giving behavior, hopefully all of us together can increase charitable giving across the US, right? Um, and, and provide also an opportunity for the charities themselves to provide content and engaging uh, videos and images and texts and things that you wanna talk to your donor directly within their banking app. So I wake up in the morning, kind of going back to my vision, as I said, when I woke up in the morning and like, I did something good and oh my God, I know what they're doing with my money. It looks amazing, you know, I'm so glad an eight year old got, got a cancer treatment, you know, and, and that would make me donate more and become a more loyal donor and believe in the cause and talk to it about, to my friends. So, so we're building this entire ecosystem, right? Where uh, we support our, our, our customers, whatever they want to donate. We, as I said, we match donation, we make it super easy for them. And at the same time, we partner with uh, great um, charities like yourselves, which you focus on just doing good in the world. And we want to bring all that goodness that you're creating directly to the donors so they can actually see it, you know, believe it, want, want, to, want to do more. I think that transparency is really beautiful that you it's so many times I give to so many places and I'm like, I have no idea where, what happened. <laughs> you know? So I think that's really cool that you're doing that. And that whole thing around the, like you said, people have anxiety, you know, when they go in and look at their money, this is a way to kind of reframe the brain to look at this in a really positive way in a growth mindset versus that negative mindset of like, Oh, I got to look at my bank account. Again. <laughs> and, and it's, it's really unique how you've combined all these different things. I think that's really cool. The other thing too, I know Marion was mentioning yesterday in our prep call. I really thought about this is that I remember back years ago when I got my regular paper check and there was so much, you know, that I would donate and, and there was only certain organizations that the company would, they say, okay, you can donate to United Way or you can donate to these three things. And I was like, well, what about my local farm over here? I'd like to donate to. And, and the other thing too, is that kind of that privacy, I think is really cool too, because everybody in the company and HR sees, you know, your, your old, your check and who you're donating to. And this takes it into more of a, you know, private uh, way to, to make that donation, you know, from, and the frictionless, I love that. You just removed the entire journey. It's right there, you know, so the, the ease of use is, is huge. I love it. I love what you're doing. It's so cool. Okay, I have another person I'd like to ask a question of. Which one of the M's will it be? Uh, it's going to be Marissa. <laughs> got a lot of a lot of M's on, on our call today. Equipment and all that's involved in healthcare comes with quite a high price tag to deliver that quality care that all women around the world deserve. So, what are your tips and tricks for that critical funding? Yeah, because we have equipment, some of it's very expensive. And I know I'm probably on dual screens right now because uh, I had a little tech issue. So apologies about that. But, um, uh, you know, equipment's 
durable medical equipment is relatively expensive. And so, um, you know, we do have fundraising the traditional way, which is, you know, asking for donations, uh, applying for grants, things like that. But um, we've also started to move into a little bit more of a sustainable philanthropy model, which um, will allow us at Her Healthy Q to, 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 to be able to have this equipment, be able to potentially buy equipment if we need to. Most of our equipment is donated and we're super grateful for that. And, um, and, and that is obviously the lifeblood of, of our organization, but there's also additional work that needs to go into it. So we provide service and training and installation. And those things are oftentimes expensive in developing countries and um, is not included most of the time in an equipment sale um, or a donation. And so, creating revenue streams that are sustainable um, for philanthropy is, is, is what we see as, as oftentimes the new way of doing business. And so um, either through revenue share programs or um, charging some money for the, for the equipment, um, there's other organizations um, that might be similar to us that um, they get the equipment for free, but um, they charge a $20,000 shipping charge. Um, so technically, you're really not getting it for free. You still have to pay for it. So, um, you know, we're very transparent on how much you're actually saving, um, what you're getting for that. And um, we're way below distributor costs. And um, but we're providing, you know, the the service and, and training alongside it. And also, you know, the partnership. And that's important to us. And so having partnership models, having you know, you know that you're creating impact, you know that you're also, for our perspective, we're able to give that information back to the companies who have donated to us, back to our donors, back to our partners, back to whoever potentially has given us a grant um, or who has invested in us. And so impact investment, it, it, that is a mechanism in, and can be utilized to, um, to help nonprofits grow. And obviously you need to have a revenue part of it so that it's able to you know, you're able to return the capital, but um, nonprofits are able to be invested in. And so, um, you know, I think that those are some of the new interesting ways, in addition to Spiral, in addition to Omaze, in addition to um, um, Pledgling, who's also just partnered with um, uh, Zoom, things like that. Like the, these are new ways for everybody to be able to give. Um, and I think as an organization, we need to take uh, take a hold of all of those and take advantage of them. Um, but we also need to think of ways that we can self-sustain ourselves, that those are things that will help us moving forward. Um, but it, it, it oftentimes can't be the bread and butter. And, you know, we've seen in the pandemic that you can't just wait for money to come to you. Um, you have to work for it. And I think that is the really important part of uh, where we are, what we're moving towards, because, you um, uh, there's so much competition out there right now and we all don't compete with each other, but we compete with each other for money and for donors. Um, and if we can support it in another way, in addition to that, to, you know, to us, we, we find that that might be, um, you know, sustainable in the future. And, uh, and for us, equipment is expensive and, um, supporting the equipment is expensive. And, um, you know, we, we think, for us, it's the future. As a sustainability and circular economy person, I just <laughs> love your model, of course, Marissa, because a lot, a lot of people don't know that as um, hospitals and healthcare facilities, they want to get the next latest, greatest equipment. And so what happens to that equipment that's still perfectly functioning? It just doesn't have the new, you know, beeps and bells and whistles and features. 
um, it usually ends up in a landfill and there's, and, and there's huge open pits overseas um, in Asia and in Europe and Africa where they just burn the equipment and it's really unsafe for the communities. So I love how you're finding this next life for this equipment that's still good. Um, I just think that's beautiful in addition to what you're doing. Thank you so much for, for that. That was, that was really nice. Marcia, last but not least, again, <laughs> I went to see her. <laughs> a lot has changed in the world of fundraising and is continually evolving. Can you be so kind as to share what you feel are the trends in this area? Absolutely. Um, this is actually like one of my favorite topics. Uh, <laughs> I mean, truly, because, you know, 20, more than 20 years ago, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. When I, you know, started my nonprofit career and, and started working in this field, I think, you know, it was a matter of, you know, an afterthought as far as the fundraising component or the philanthropy, like embedding it with corporations, right? It was like, oh yeah, maybe we should, you know, and it was still very much a consideration. And then it kind of evolved into, and you know, it's only a matter of time. Every corporation is going to find a pillar or something that they can stand on, you know. But now I'm, I'm like seeing this, you know, very clear trend where it's being embedded into the very core of especially the new entrepreneurial, unique opportunities these days. I mean, Spiral's perfect example of that. It wasn't an afterthought. This was how Sean created Spiral, which is to really wrap it around its absolute core of who he is and what the company stands for. You know, I, we was brought up earlier about Omaze. Omaze's whole goal, um, for those who don't know, Omaze does these sweepstakes that benefit charities. And, um, you know, they make it so easy on the nonprofit and a lot of it is unrestricted revenue, which is king because you have the most maximum flexibility of the funding. Um, and now, you know, we're really, really starting to see that dynamic to where it's never, it's not even an afterthought. It's a very linear, critical thinking of what do we stand for? What and how are we going to implement that and be authentic about it? Um, and I definitely see that, see that as the biggest shift in our industry. And going back to Marissa, I think she said something that was very, very interesting about, um, you know, we're competing against dollars. I actually don't think we are um, in, in, in a way. I, I, I like to use the phrase coopetition, right? So cooperating and collaborating is also a, a paradigm shift that I've seen. So I partner, and I like to tell everybody I have an equal number of corporate and nonprofit partners in my portfolio, and you know we'll go jointly in on opportunities together, um, and leverage each other's technical expertise, and you know really kind of bring it to bear. Um, I remember I was at a conference once, and I was bringing this very point up. This was years ago, and I'll never forget this person um, who had worked for very large, very large corporation in the middle of me talking about this stood up and started applauding. And I'm like, it was a little awkward. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie, but she was like, it's about darn time you nonprofits started talking this way. Because <laughs> evidently the conversations were happening on the corporate side. It's, you know, it's kind of really working smarter, not harder and really working on those collaborative efforts. So, yeah. So that's what I see as like the, the evolving trends that we're starting to see today. I love that word that you made up. Competition. Competition. 
competition. Yeah, it really is true. Yeah, it's like that pre, even I know companies are doing now today pre-competitive, you know, if, it, if it's if it's good for people on the planet, then they're the very strong competitors are still working together. It's really interesting. Well, look at the pandemic and what happened here with, you know, direct competitors coming together to make the impact. And I think that that's the beautiful shift. I mean, if there is any positive to come out of the year and a half we've just had, you mm -hmm. know, I think that's it. And I think that really should set the tone for the future. Absolutely. We can get more done together. I mean, it's just a plain, simple message. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, related to that um, and Marcia's point, you know, I think also a trend that I've noticed is that nonprofits really need to be able to make their business case for support. Hi. And, and what I've seen a lot lately is the social return on investment um, studies that really are critical for some investors and donors to understand how the return on investment is going to happen. But there's a really interesting um, example that I have for one of our Ronald McDonald charities in Canada. Um, they, based on a, a social return on investment study that they had done, um, at the time, years ago, the um, person who used to be their CEO had shared with me that they were creating um, a different um, structure of healthcare facilities and basing them on centers of excellence throughout Canada. And because Ronald McDonald um, House Charities Canada was able to make the business case instead of the government, the Canadian government, spending the money on the infrastructure to build housing facilities near all of these new hospitals, they actually invested $100 million to Ronald McDonald charities in Canada so that it would allow them to supplement and expand the very successful model of Ronald McDonald houses that are built to support people in certain healthcare regions. So, you know, I've seen other countries do it within our charitable system. For example, in 2017, um, the houses in Portugal did um, a social return um, study and they were able to prove that one euro invested um, generates 5.08 euro um, in terms of the social value. So I, I love to hear all of the different conversations we're having because you know now is our opportunity um, to step forward. And it's not just you're giving to us and you don't know the value, we can translate the value. And a lot of what we're doing are, are directly the social determinants of health that we're picking up that no longer are being given by um, what used to be government or what used to be other institutions. So um, I love I love what Marcia said. Just I, I love how you pointed out this um, opportunity. I see them popping up everywhere, but I see them doing really good impact with these private public partnerships. And uh, Marissa graciously had a session. So go back to the recordings on her healthy queue and, and capture that that P3, the private public partnership, because it was a really valuable session. So thanks for reminding us and bringing that up. Marianne, I appreciate it. Here's the opportunity now. To, I'm going to open it up for each of you on the panel to ask a question of each other. So Marcia or Sean or Marissa or Marion, if you have a question for uh, anyone on the, that's, that's in the session today on the panel. Um, I can start. Uh, this is just very personal to me because I have three girls. 
Oops, sorry. Uh, I have three girls, right? So, so this panel is full of uh, of women, and 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 causes around uh, around women. And um, what? Uh, well, let's see. Who would who would I ask? Who's the most? Uh, I'll go with uh, Mary, just just because. Um, yeah. What's what's your view in terms of um, causes? If you look on the balance, the 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 causes that focus on regardless of gender, right, and trying to to help, and then at the same time, specific charities that, that focus specifically on on a specific gender, right? Um, do you see the specific gender as being more impactful, like specific gender focused, than than let's say uh, uh, a charity that just would focus on let's say third world countries and and helping them with medical aid versus women medical ed in third world countries? Might have been a better question for Marissa, but I'm just curious on this because uh, I constantly think about my girls and I try to think about, well, what if they grew up in a completely different country, right? What, what, what were the opportunities, the challenges they would face and, and what would I seek for? Yeah, uh, you did say Marion, right? Because we all have almost the same name on the panel. I know, I was, I was <laughs> making sure, yeah. yeah. Well, I would just say that I think, first of all, congratulations on having three daughters because I think that um, you are an amazing role model for them and that they, because of what you're doing, are absolutely going to understand the importance of getting involved and understanding that charity is a part of what we all do and the world needs it. And we need people like you to promote it. I think in terms of specific focus, there are so many charities with so many different missions that I would answer with a non-answer. I would almost say that I think the mission of what the organization is doing and the impact and what calls to you personally would be the right way to evaluate if you think that's something that you can participate in and make a difference in the world. I think there's so much research and each of these organizations put their information on GuideStar. They put their information on all of these different things, Charity Navigator, so that you can really understand, are they number one doing with the investment something that translates into the mission? And if it is a girls focused charity, I mean, I used to work in girls self-esteem. I actually at one point in my life was um, running Tyra Banks charity for self-esteem for girls back in the day. Um, and so, you know, whatever issue you come up with, I think that there can be a compelling case made, but the research and the questions and even understanding who's on the board, who are the other donors, and also what calls to your heart so that you're not just making a drop in the bucket, you're making a wave that's going to really address the issue. So, you know, that's, that's, that's kind a of good answer, actually. It's a non-answer, but it, it, it is a good answer. It is a good answer. It's, it's just a funny tidbit. The way my girls, so they use this spiral app, right? They steal my phone because they left donating. <laughs> and and, and the, the way they think is so inst instinct, like instinctual or, or what they saw that day. So we passed the street, we saw homeless, like they would come back home, dad, I want to I wanna donate to the homeless and they'll go and kind of pick a thing. And, and the same goes with if they saw, you know, a show about the kid with a cancer or, or something like that. So 
it's it's true that they, they donate the way I think we all should, right? It's kind of like, uh, but but they're so unfiltered, kids, and, and, and so immediate. Good. Sean, that's great parenting right there. Um, love that. That that speaks volumes of like what you're passing on to your kids and the fact that they're thinking that way. I mean, you're saying it's like instinctual, but that's not necessarily the generation that's out there. That's because you imparted that on them, which is- Oh yeah, we, we had the dialogues of, they, they, like three dialogues of, should I buy more Roblox with my my money? And then and then they they started doing this and it became a thing and they they, they, they see the value, I think, for, for just uh, feeling good about, like they did something with something that's kind of bothering them. It's under the surface, but they did something with it today. And I also think that, you know, given that there's now these new innovations like Spiral, like all these other, you know, things that, that you know, kids are modeling after their parents or after their role models or after people they're seeing. And so the fact that there's all this new innovation out there, that they are able to take advantage of it and, and find the opportunities. And now that becomes, you know, for all of our organizations and every organization, that's the future. And um, we have to build that future now and have to build that culture and, you know, I'll leave just the, you know, just one on, on this question, just, you know, one quick uh, stat. It's something like, and, and I always quote this stat incorrectly, but it's something like 90% of a woman's salary goes back to her family in a developing country and only 40% of a man's does. And so if we can continue to lift up women around the world, that speaks volumes to their families and their family stability and the fact that the the girls and can go to school, all genders can go to school, anybody can go to school and, and that they're healthy and that there's food coming back to them so that they can continue to be nurtured. And so, um, you know, that was the, the women's, you know, the women's focus, the women's edge. And so I just wanted to kind of put that stat out there because um, it, it's really, it's really lofty and, and it speaks, speaks quite significantly to to, to why focus on women sometimes. That makes sense. I would love to ask a question, if I may, to Marcia. Yes, please. Are you ready to be put on the spot? Of course um, I am. Go for it. <laughs> since I know you have such a um, breadth of knowledge in this area and strategic partnerships, when I know how important it is to look at things in a certain way. And certainly your um, work shows that you really are creative in that respect. So if you're looking at your partnerships holistically, how do you and your organization approach it? How do you, how do you make that happen? It sounds easy, but I know it's very challenging. So can you give advice on the internal way that you can approach bringing, bringing people together for strategic partnerships? I love this question. You're awesome. Um, <laughs> you're a terrific answer. Uh, well, I kind of look at things, you know, you said holistically, right? So, um, you know, I think partnerships, it's like, like a marriage, right? Like where you're getting to know, know somebody, but, you know, what the really goal is to, you know, from, from dating the partner to getting married, right? And I try and look at it from a, I like to call it a five-star alliance right? Like looking and not leaving anything off the table and making sure that whatever you do, you're meeting each other's objectives. I mean, and I think that that's critical in any relationship, you know, understanding what's underlying, 
Um, but then, you know, I mean, everybody talks about the cash, which is king, right? Like all organizations need the infusion of cash. But it's also like talking to your partners about in-kind contributions, whether that's time or talents or services, right? And leveraging that. Um, I also think, you know, on organizations and especially smaller ones, um, you know, talking to them about their marketing muscle. Like, you know, International Medical Corps is not a home brand name that, you know, if you ask somebody on the street, they'll go, oh, that's, oh, I know you. People in the industry tend to know us, but, you know, we're not like Ronald McDonald House Charities or the Make-A-Wish Foundation where you guys have like a 90% brand awareness, right? We don't. We're out there. We are on the news, but in the news cycle, you're not going to just immediately think of us. So leveraging your partnerships to like say, how can we work together to get the messaging out and tell the great story of the work we're doing together? Um, and then, you know, offering opportunities for their employees. Because I mean, I do speaking engagements across the country, you know, for our employee engagement staff. And I'm shocked because I always start off with talking about, you know, okay, first of all, how many of you actually know what JP Morgan Chase does for our organization, right? Um, and you'd be surprised how few know anything. Well, that partnership is like so well-rounded. You know, they came to the table and added skills-based volunteers to Eurism. When we had a problem to solve, um, we had an emergency um, field unit for our response. And when we got it, it was this huge, massive thing that was like, it was an all or nothing. You either deploy this emergency um, hospital out in its entirety with the nine units and blah, 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 or not at all. So we had to think about how, like, how do we do this more, you know, make it more modular and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, we brought multiple partners together to come to the table to kind of think strategically. So JP Morgan came and helped us put together the business case, right? And how do we do that on a financial model? Um, FedEx, who's an incredible partners, partner of ours, helped us figure out the configurations and the assets and how to deploy that within the first 24 to 48 hours of an emergency response. And so literally, I think if you look at relationships, I think there's so much that we can do to each other to kind of amplify our messaging. And if you're not looking at the relationship holistically, I think we're missing the boat. Um, so that's, does that, I guess, does that answer your question? I think there, there's so much more there than just scratching the surface with a transactional relationship. Um, because, you know, to me, it's about the long-term um, and you crawl, walk, run, you know, you date and then you marry them. And so I'm proud to say that a lot of the organizations we work with are very long-term partners. And if they're not, they, they bet they will be. Right, Sean? Sean? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> that's what so, we Leading by example, right? It's like, if you show a different way of doing things, other people would follow. Exactly. So, yeah. Thanks that leads me into actually one of my questions for Sean, you know, we're, we're all partners with Spiral. And by the way, if anybody has any questions, feel free to put them in the chat. Um, Faith, I'm not, you know, usurping you. I just figured. Um, no, what? absolutely. We'll have, we'll definitely have after your question, yeah. uh, we'll definitely have at least 15 minutes to, for folks to put questions in the chat that we'll, we can have the panels address. Yeah. Perfect. But I just wanted to ask Sean, you know, we're, you know, we're all partners of Spiral. So what's next, you know, not necessarily for us, but like, What's next without giving away your secrets and, you know, things like that you guys recently launched. So what's next um, so that we can all look forward to how else we can. Oh, for sure. I mean, the world. Uh, thank you for asking this. First of all, yeah, this is, this is like our card, right. And, and what we're, 
what we're really focusing on is, is kind of the, the, the basis of the vision is if you can satisfy people's financial needs, right? And that means um, do people need loans? Do people need mortgages? Do people need credit cards? And the fact that they are givers, they, they actually give to other things and we want to reward them and give them financial services that are better than, than what they would get at, at other financial institutions. So our, our vision in the long run is basically every year we're going to introduce new products. So if today there's check, uh, checking savings um, and, and a debit card and, and a giving account, you could expect credit cards, you could expect mortgages down the road. And, and each of those things would have an element which actually rewards giving. So uh, in a sense, you're going to get certain type of points that you can actually donate uh, to charities. You don't have to claim everything as a cashback, right? Or miles for your travel, you can, you can donate those. Um, so that's, again, without divulging too much, the, what you should expect is if today you go to a Chase, because you mentioned them, right? And you get a plethora of services, Spiral want to offer uh, the, the same amount and essentially enable people in our, in our mission. We have helped you build a better life while making the world a better place. We believe that if we give people more and they can build a better life for themselves, of course, they're going to give more, right? And they're, they're going to support their communities and causes they care about. So, so doing those two things in parallel, that's why we're focusing on the one hand, on, on the customers and giving them the things they want so they can give and then making at the same time giving much easier and bringing those great causes and the, you great people, which frankly, I'm just like the entrepreneur in the room, but you guys doing good like every day that you wake up and that's your thing. And, 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 and there are many big hearted people. I forgot how many people are working in the nonprofit industry. Like, you know, it's over 10 million, right? of people that are doing amazing job every day, our goal is to bring that and make this direct access to capital and remove the friction. So, so it would become easier and more rewarding and more engaging. So if I gave once, I may want to become a monthly supporter, right? If I gave a little bit, maybe I want to give more. So, so we're always looking at those two big parts of our mission, make your life better and making the world better. And it's, it's, always running kind of in parallel and innovating on both of them at the same time. If that makes sense. Very cool. Did I answer your question, Marissa? Absolutely. I love it. So let's open up now that we have about five, 14 minutes left here to our attendees. So find your chat in the bottom. Um, if you're on a PC there and you can feel free to send it to everyone or if you want to send it specifically to one of our uh, panelists, feel free to do that as well. Uh, if you send it to everyone, I'll see it and I can ask it. Um, and and we, we're open, I think, as well, Marissa, to audio questions as well. People. Yep, absolutely. All right. So we, do we have any questions from our attendees in the chat or if you can uh, unmute you as well? If there's none from the chat, I still have one I wanted to ask, actually ask Marianne. I mean, while we're waiting for questions to come in. Yeah, let's do it. Okay with that? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I think donors are getting much more savvy about wanting to measure impact and outcomes, you know, versus outputs. And I think Marianne had mentioned that she might have an example of how charities might really kind of look at that and address it. So, Marianne, can I put you on the spot? Sure. 
You can put me on the spot. Pardon if you hear lawnmowers in the background. It's like, you know, remote, <laughs> hazards of remote working. Um, I think that what a trend that I'm seeing actually is that most um, foundations or um, donors are actually asking for a theory of change with the application. And, and, you know, it's fascinating because back in the day, that really wasn't even a word you heard often. And it was more of a sophisticated thing that maybe in the evaluation tool would come up. So, so one thing right off the bat that I, I'm noticing and that we're doing is that you look at the theory of change. If you're, if you're working on something, you need to know what difference does it make in the um, intended population that you're serving. So that's one thing. And, you know, um, Candid actually gives terrific workshops for Theory for Change. I would just give them a shout out. Um, I've taken their workshops. And also uh, the distinction between outputs and outcomes. You know, in the past, there was a lot of counting going on. How many, you know, how many children served, how many um, you know, animals were adopted. While that's important, I think we're getting more um, specific questions about what difference did it make? What was the impact and how is it sustainable? And I think, so we're now in a place where we have the answers, but now we have to be um, ready to communicate them effectively to organizations like Spiral that, you know, we feel like they're enabling people to invest in us. And the hope is by becoming um, a partner with those clients of Spiral, that they'll wanna keep growing that relationship and that they'll become the next major donors of our organizations once they see we're really making a difference. So those, those are two things, in addition to what I had mentioned earlier, the, the social return on investment and all of those types of sophisticated and formulas, but if we don't have the money to have that kind of study done, although um, academic institutions would be great to ask to do that kind of study, just a tip for all of our nonprofit friends. But um, I think just having a theory of change um, for anything you're asking money for. So thanks for asking that, Marcia. Yeah, <laughs> I think did the theory of change and that originate out of uh, the Aspen Institute? I think there's a couple group of people that, that originated out of there's some um, information online too as well um, around that that's a great start I just remember working with my first nonprofit and one of our advisors is saying okay let's start with our theory of change because everybody's going to ask for it <laughs> so that is a very good point absolutely and combining that with be able being able to combining that with the the form you said to get the funding yeah we have a question it looks like in the chat here uh, assuming a non-for-profit organization, an LMIC, cannot totally afford cash for shipment, and yet they have been donated an ultrasound machine in Seattle, uh, how can a project benefit and in a way get it to its intended purpose? Help. I'm sure I can take that one because it's yeah, just a quick Sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, well, there's a lot of nonprofits that actually focus on helping in that area. There's an organization, wonderful organization called Airlink, um, airlinkflight.org, um, who works with all the airlines to provide donated air transport. Um, there's another one, if you're looking for ground transport, called Allen Aid, 
So Allen Logistics, um, they're fantastic and they work with a lot of the trucking and transportation companies who would provide that transport for free. Um, so there's lots of resources out there. You just gotta know where to find them. So. Literally both my answers. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. It's perfect. No, no. I think that's absolutely perfect because, um, uh, you know, or, or contact a UPS humanitarian, you know, there's, there's these larger organizations also um, to, to, to handle logistics into, into lower middle income countries as well. And they, they have the logistics channels. You know, we've, we've partnered with UPS humanitarian, mm -hmm. uh, but there's so many others, you know, that you just said. No, great question. Outstanding. And we have another question in the chat here from Kelsey. I'd like to hear any advice for initially approaching strategic corporate or institutional partnerships from the point of view of a smaller NGO with limited corp volunteer opportunities to offer. Who would like to answer that one? I mean, I can, I can give it a short answer for us <laughs> because, sure. you know, we, uh, at Spiral, one of the things we're actually doing is helping a lot of the smaller nonprofit, right, get the same level of exposure that a large nonprofit have directly at the hands of, of the donors and their banking app. So at minimum, we, we would love to partner and help you get new donors and increase donations from existing donors. And then maybe Marcia and I have all the, the secret books for how to partner with. <laughs> I don't have a secret book. It's just that, you know, you don't ask, you don't get really is the mantra, you know, honest candid conversations. And while you don't have an, an opportunity maybe for volunteerism, because a lot of the a lot of the places that we work, honestly, we can't bring people to the field. We work in Libya, South Sudan, Yemen, DRC, and things like that. And because of COVID, we had to shift our strategy. And so as far as employee engagement, we used to do the hygiene kitting assembly events. So going to our partners where they can put them together. But with COVID, that face-to-face -face couldn't be there, yet companies were clamoring for an opportunity. So what we did was we actually shifted to an online version, but made it fun, interactive, and put it kind of in a gaming environment, right? So, um, and ours was, is called the First Responders Challenge. So that works for us because of the nature of our work, but I would encourage others like to come up with some creative way to educate and engage employees, you know, in an online arena that, you know, that works for you. Um, you know, ours was literally teaching about disaster response and how you personally can become better prepared, taught them what psychological prayer state is and how you can do that in your community should an, a, a you know, hurricane or natural disaster strike. But like, I'm sure other organizations can find that across the board or ways to get creative on how to engage with other employees. So anyway, that, I guess that's my... Yeah. And this isn't really that original, but I think that, you know, creating advisory councils, right, um, whether it's industry based or expertise based, I think that's a terrific way to get organizations involved in your organization, no matter what size it is, because it's advisory and um, it doesn't require in person. It's tapping into expertise, but then you're also really educating them and bringing them into part of your organization. So I think that is a really interesting way to even feel the pulse if you are thinking this person might make a good future board of directors member. So that's another thought because again, COVID 
we have over 3,000 volunteers and COVID stopped all of them, but we didn't stop with our virtual volunteering and got really creative. I mean, you know, this year alone, I think we had 90 virtual dinner parties that volunteers um, hosted and conducted for our, our guests that are still living in their rooms because we've had our common spaces closed, but we've never shut down since COVID started. So just a few thoughts. Yeah, I think the whole thing around the, the shipping, shipping of items is, and, and logistics, it's interesting and, and with talking to existing logistics companies, but also thinking about the future, um, because I'm involved in several projects around this, there's, you know, the future of uh, electric autonomous vehicles. And so you, you see like the pizza, new electric autonomous vehicle that's bringing your, your pizza. Um, I think about, could we start to use those in the future for transporting donations around different places? Because they're already gonna be on, on route. Um, and they have technology within uh, all the, the trucks these days that shows, you know, how much excess uh, capacity they have. And a lot of times, a lot of companies, even the smaller trucking companies will say, yep, yeah, we know that we're going to have this amount of area. So if you need to bring something from point A to point B, we'll help you out with that. Yeah. All right. So any last minute uh, questions for each other or a last uh, tip or trick that you'd like to share? We'll start with Marcia. You're my first one in my panel here. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, I just don't be afraid to ask and, and, and get creative. You know, one of our, our latest big streams of revenue has come from gamers, you know, gamers without borders. We've been very, very fortunate for people to select us as a beneficiary. I think you just have to be open and think outside of the box and not be afraid to ask. I mean, that's, you know, when you're talking about innovations and fundraising, and I think it's really important that you kind of kind of jump out there with it and have those conversations both internally and externally because sometimes you'll get resistance within organizations that tend to be can be a little siloed but I think you have to take a risk and you have to take a chance. So. Good advice there. You're encouraging all of us Marcia. <laughs> Good. In my little Brady Bunch panel pictures here. <laughs> Your tip or trick you like to leave us with or quote or words of wisdom. And you're on mute, so. I think that I would say partnering with other nonprofits is absolutely critical. And I would encourage everyone to reach out to their counterpart or colleagues across the, the nonprofit world because <laughs> gone are the days when we're in it alone. We're all collaborative. COVID showed us that. And my dog agrees with yes, that, by the it. way. And um, that would be my my um, final thought. Yeah, it's kind of back to Marcia's cooperation <laughs> word that we came up with today. And uh, Sean, how about from you? Oh, you know, I'm mute there. Muted. I think the uh, it's kind of funny. We live in the front lines of uh, users, right? Uh, and and consumers and customers and how they behave. And I think uh, one tip would be just partner with us. Like seriously, this is this is what we do. We help nonprofit get more donations and we match donations. So, so let's do it, whoever's on the call. 
But uh, more than that, I, I think what we see with, with uh, consumers and customers is really about people do have a limited attention span, right? So um, as much as you can digest to them your impact, right, in a way that is emotionally engaging, it doesn't have to be cerebral engaging as much, you know, it's like, but, but it's, it's emotionally, I feel connected to the thing that I'm supporting. Like I gave my personal story with three, you know, three young girls. Um, and, and, and that's enough. It's like you, you got their attention spent with five seconds and all of a sudden, and they, they already made the decision. They're going to support more or they like to increase the support. They want to tell their friend. Right. And, and that's, I think that, that for me, because I know a lot of nonprofits suffer from donor retention, like a big, big donor retention problem. That's that's how you combat that piece. So it's it's less about let's chase more new ones. It's like you already have like great seeds. How do you cultivate those seeds, right? To give more and tell their friends and, and essentially create the, the the bulk of what you're gonna get. I love that, Sean. So nurturing the ones you've already curated and and, and making that a, a more fruitful relationship. Yeah. And again, and finding that tidbits of videos or images or a small story. I, you know, I think uh, Marion gave the story about the eight year old uh, daughter as we opened it and the fact that, that she benefited in, in a way. Those little stories, I mean, they're the most engaging. And we're in, we're in the era of TikToks and YouTubes. And, and you know, my, oh, the other small story, I, we have like a one second. My daughters are serial watchers of this guy named Dar. And what he does, he does acting of, of situations in life where people make poor choices and then they learn and make a good choice about life. So somebody's very materialistic, realize they need to whatever, do some things that are more for the environment. Somebody who doesn't uh, pay attention to his family and go work all day, decides to spend Christmas with it. So it's everybody are like just condition now to to consume in that in that way so i think kind of crossing that gap between the great job you're doing to how do you articulate it and it touched a little bit with with what marcia was saying being innovative but which where are the touch points if you meet your 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 donors mm, you're renewing our faith in the future with your with your daughters i have a big big hopes for them I do. I do too. <laughs> now that I've heard your stories, <laughs> Marissa, we're at time here. So take us home. Yeah. I think that we all just need to work together and we have to partner and innovation isn't just technology. I mean, that's one part of it, certainly, but innovation is different ways of thinking. So technology, different ways of thinking, creating new, and obviously this pandemic has taught us that. Um, I think, I think for the better um, for certain ways. And so um innovation in nonprofits is is just thinking differently and thinking outside the box and don't you know like everyone said don't be afraid to ask you have to ask um and um yeah that's uh that's my thoughts and i also just wanted to make a plug and in september her talks will be back we're going to take a little hiatus in in august to for vacations and um uh you know in september we're going to have another her talks so we're excited to have everybody back the other thing I'm going to do for all of our attendees that stayed on to the, the bitter end here, <laughs> or I should say the sweet end, um, these are all the LinkedIn links for all of our panelists here today and also the link to the Her Health EQ so that you can access that. So uh, feel free to highlight those and copy those from the chat if you'd like to review and go deeper later on. 
Thanks so much, everyone. I, I'm Faith Lejeune, and I've just had a blast talking to all of you today. So go out there, create some action and some meaningful experiences. Take care now. Bye-bye.